Um, we've been doing a series in the last few weeks just around, how, first of all, how good was Pastor Graham last week? Yeah. All right. If you haven't heard the message, grab it, have a listen on Spotify, a real encouragement in what we're doing. And um, he was a great blessing. So thank you. Uh, this is the third week in our series um, around our vision. And today I want to talk about pathways, places, and presence. And I'm going to open this up a little bit more. And uh, our theme for the year is Arise and Build. And uh, it, it's a response, you know, to arise, to stand up, to, to, to a call to action, a, a posture of movement. But to build is, a, is an intentionality. And, uh, you know, we can come to church every weekend and every other weekend, and it's just what we do. But when you're a kingdom person, you understand the reason why you come. Amen? We understand the reason why we exist in this earth, and that is to build the kingdom of God and to see that grow in the earth. Amen? And uh, so today, I want to I talk around about pathways, places, and presence. And, and we, we talked about be one, find one, make one. And uh, be, be a disciple, find, find one, sorry, be a disciple, find a person, and then make a disciple. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to the book of Matthew 28, and we're going to read from this part of Scripture today, because the call for us is to make an incredible difference in the earth that we live and all of us come from all different parts of Brisbane, which is really exciting. Currently, we've got, I think, 10 Connect groups happening. And how many are enjoying the Connect curriculum? It's, it's a great encouragement, again, for us to slow down, to draw near to God, to listen to what He's saying in our world, and then to move from that place. Not a place of busyness, of hurriedness, of pressure, of performance, but to live out of a posture of relationship with God. Amen? So in this book of Matthew chapter 28, the end of Jesus' life, we read in Scripture a very famous passage, which is referred to as the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 16 says this, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them still doubted. <laughs> the human condition is doubt. And, you know, today God wants us to be filled with faith. Amen. He wants us to lean in to believe. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation that we're in, God has called us to a life of faith, to have hope, to have belief. And he came and he told his disciples and he said this. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given to you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The truth is this, is that God uses our lives to help reach others. And it's a great thought, you know, and this is, this is how God is moving and he's always moved that. We wouldn't be here today unless God moved on the heart of the disciples to move out into the regions around Jerusalem. And the word of God went out from that land, the Holy Land, 
to the world that we live in. And it continues to go out like this never-ending message. And the truth of it is, is that God uses our lives to help reach the lives of others. It was not called the great idea. It wasn't called the great suggestion. It was called the great commission, amen, that God has commissioned us or commissioned us into the work of building his kingdom. His last word should be our highest priority. Another paraphrase says it like this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and I have given that authority to you. Therefore, while you are going about your everyday lives, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Walk, talk, listen. Ask questions. Spend time. Experience life together. And help teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you even to the end of the age. We say it again, and Mark John Comer, who's a preacher in America, he says this, that the three aims of our discipleship, our following Jesus, is this. Number one, it's to be with him. Number two, it's to become like him. And number three, it's to do the things that he did. It's really great to simplify what our faith is all about. It's not about meetings. It's not about attending it's actually about encountering the living God and learning to live with him every day, in every situation, in every circumstance that you face, God is with you. And God is wanting to be working through you so that this message can ever keep ringing out. Amen. Father, as we come around your word today, speak to our hearts, I pray. Thank you for what you're doing at New Day in every life, in every person representative here. God, you're with them. And Lord, today I pray that they would know that in the core of their being, in Jesus' name. Reaching others for Jesus is now our life's purpose, wherever we are. He said, go into all of the world, because that's where people are. It's where the lost people hang out, they live and they do life. Communities that we live in, the marketplace, the places where we work and transact in business, the spaces where we recreate, whether it be a sporting field, a gym, beaches, wherever in nature, wherever we do our therapy, feed the cafe addiction, the coffee addiction, the retail addiction, wherever we do life. Remember, it doesn't matter where, the everyday lives that we live. God wants us to be with him, to become like him and to do the things that he did. And so as we become aware and conscious of this living God that's around us and in us and with us, he wants us to help bring that message to others. Jesus wants to know people to know him and to be with him as well. And that's a great, great commission that we are called into this work. People are our mission. They're our mission field. And reaching them is now core to our lives purpose. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians began to talk about this. And if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 2.14, he began this message. And Paul was 
an interesting character because he didn't like the church. He knew he grew up as a religious man. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew all of the word of God. But he was against this ragtag new bunch of believers who were following Jesus, who had come to the city and was causing havoc. And I want us to look at this message because it's because of what God did in his heart, in his life, is that we're now here today. And so here's this story, he says, in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through to 17. He says, but thank God, because he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. In other words, he understood what this message was now all about. That we had this opportunity to live a life free from the bondages of sin. Free from a life of eternal separation from a living God. And Paul was saying this because once upon a time he didn't get this message. Once upon a time he lived in, in opposition to that message. He wasn't interested in what Jesus was saying. And he was certainly interested and committed to destroying what God was doing. And he says this, but now, he says now he uses us to spread this knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. How many here love walking by the door of Maya or David Jones, the perfumery, you know? And you kind of go, no, all the men say, no, no, you know. I'd rather look for a comfy chair and a newspaper, you know, scroll, you know. And uh, it's always funny, isn't it? Karen Dahl, you see the women in the shops and the men outside, you know? It's just part of what it is, you know. It's the way it's got to be. <laughs> but he says this, he says this, he said, he said, we get to spread the message of Christ everywhere like a sweet fragrance or a perfume. And he says, our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those that are perishing. There's a contrast. The world in we live, there's a contrast. And to some, it's perceived one way, and to others, it's perceived another way. Verse 16, he says, To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. <laughs> I've loved this passage all week. But to those that are being saved, we're a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit, but we preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching. Paul's saying, you know what? I'm not here for the trickery. I'm not here for the money. I'm not here for the ego. I'm not here for the followers. I'm here to preach the living word of truth. And he says there's a difference. He says to some, we stink. And to others, we smell all right. How many here love to travel? How many here have been in a few different countries? But one of the things that, um, you know, when we travel, I always love to get out with the people. And Anna and I, we went on a mission trip, first mission trip we've ever been on. And uh, new here to Australia, we went over to the Bangkok. It was great. We arrived the night before everybody else. I said, come on, let's go and see the lights in the city, you know. And uh, 
and it was just such a great experience. You know, the street vendors and the, the, the stalls and the smells and the scenery and the looks and all these sorts of things, you know. The world is an incredible, incredible place. Cultures, places, tastes and smells. But how many have ever been to Singapore? Singapore's a great stopover spot, you know. But um, one of the interesting things, we as a family, when we went over to Europe a couple of years back, stopped in at Singapore and there's an Asian fruit, I had the experience. You know where this is going, right? There's an Asian fruit in Singapore called durian. It's a melon. And it's an interesting melon. It's this prickly. It looks ugly from the outside. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and anyway, it's, it's culturally just one of these amazing fruits. It's prickly, but the goodness is found on the inside. That's depending on which side of the fence you sit. For some, it's delicious. It's taste, it's texture, and it's perfume. Yeah. But for others, it's a dreadful smell of death and damnation. <laughs> if you smell it, how many have ever smelt durian? How many have ever tasted durian? It smells kind of like vomit. Yeah. And it tastes like vomit. Yeah. It's gross. In actual fact, it's so bad that the Singaporeans aren't allowed to travel or have it in certain places. Because if you eat it and it's in you, it seeps out of your pores. Oh. But for those who love it, you can even get it in a soft serve at McDonald's. Where's Glenn? Yeah, Glenn. Glenn. Loved it. Terrible. Crazy. To some out there, let me just say this. Our lives have a stench. We have the dreadful smell of death and doom. There is something about our lives that carries a fragrance of Christ. But those who are hell-bent on hell and living against God... To them, we give off a stench. But it's not to those who are being saved. To those whom are being saved, the Holy Spirit is at work in their heart. To those who are open to the possibility of seeing what a difference a life with the living God can make in their world. To those, we are a life-giving perfume. We smell all right. We smell good. Tell your neighbor today, you smell all right. <laughs> you know, the truth is, is this. Don't worry about the stench. Just laugh it off when people say that. Keep concentrating on the scent. Amen. Don't worry that if some think you give off a stench, laugh it off. Keep concentrating on the scent. Amen. You just have to be okay that some people think we stink. Wear it as a badge of honor. They don't like you because they don't like who is inside of you. Amen? 
And that's not new. That's old. But to those others, it's a different story. To those in our neighborhood, our community, our workplaces, those that God is bringing along our paths, it's a different story. And I want you to concentrate on that. Because having you in their life is the next step in God closing the gap. It's the next step to them maybe coming into a saving faith. It's the next step of God working in their lives to bring about a whole new day into a life that they've lived. And that's what it's about. Paul picks up this theme and he goes in 2 Corinthians 5.18. He says, hey, all of this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Can I just say to you, Paul was against. He was against the work of God in the very beginning of his life. He did everything he could to resist, to rebuke, to destroy, to bring harm and to bring havoc into the church until one day God met him on a dusty road and changed his life around. And all of a sudden when that life got turned around, his life got turned around, amen. When he opened up his heart to the living God and to understand that there was a different message and there was a different life ahead of him, all of a sudden it made sense. All of a sudden, this knowledge that was filled in his mind came alive in his heart. And he understood that it wasn't about rules and regulations, but it became about a relationship with a living God. Amen. And when we understand that we live every single day in the opportunity, in the posture, in the privilege of walking with a living God, it changes everything. You know what? Being a teacher is not just being a teacher. It's being a person in that marketplace ready to impact the lives of 25 kids and 25 families and a school environment and a principal and a leadership with the light and the truth of God's message. Why? Because we give off a fragrance. And for some, they might think we stink. But for others, it's like there's something different about your life. When you transact in the marketplace and you're doing business, when you're doing things, bringing contracts together, in business meetings, boardroom tables, you're there not just because you've got a business, you're there because God's placed you there. Amen. Because there's a message on the inside of you that God wants to let come out of you to help close the gap with people. Amen. So good. <laughs> I think you smell all right, Tony. I think you smell all right. He says this. He says that God, this is a gift. Consider it as a gift. For God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God wants, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message. Some translation says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And we are now Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. But we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made him who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen. That is what God's message and God's mission is. 
that in a world of nine billion people, that people would be made right with God. That people would come and not live separate or broken or isolated or eternally separated from God. But their eyes would become awakened and their hearts become alive. That they become born again to the living God. To understand that it's not just words on pages, but it's words that are alive in a person's heart. Amen. And no longer religion, but a message of relationship. God is at work. And now God has given us, us that task to help people come back to him. Two million people live in our city of Brisbane. Every time we drive, we, we, we have a tradition in our family. We go out into the city, Camp Hill all the way in, over the Story Bridge, down through the valley, Newstead, maybe find a cafe, turn around, come on back. Got the praise booming, the worship happening you know, we go through the valley. Emma puts up the window. She hates the valley, you know. And uh, all of the nightclub, all of the enthusiasm, all of that stuff. And we just go through our city and we say, God, bring this city to you. Lord, bring this city to you. They need to know Jesus. They need to understand the living message. They need to understand that God wants to make them right again with him. Amen. 55,000 people just living in the surrounding suburbs just here with us. It'd be a fun day on the car park, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd get the neighbors upset. You know? <laughs> we won't do that. But you know what? There's people everywhere. And God loves every single one of them. And he's given us the task of reaching out to them. Amen. To reconcile means to bring together again. Two parties that have had a falling out to bring it back again. And God sent his only son to reconcile a broken world to a living God. Amen. And Jesus has given us that same challenge now. 2 Corinthians 5.19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message or ministry of reconciliation. God closed the gap. He became the bridge. Jesus paid the price. He became the door and he became the way. Amen. And God did that in Christ and through Christ. And the apostle Paul goes on to remind us and he says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. I love an ambassador. You see them in Canberra. They're, they're a representative, the highest official. You know, the ambassador of the United States of America carries much weight within another nation. And an ambassador is a, is a representation of that nation. And we are the representation of the kingdom of God here on earth. We are now ambassadors of the kingdom. And I want you to think different. I want you to think bigger. I want you to understand the position that God's given us. That we are his ambassadors in earth. And we get to, we get to implement the decrees and the wills and the ways of the Father in earth. Amen. We get to stand in the gap and to pray and to intercede what God's, what's on God's heart. We get to journey with him. You know, we get to be with him, we get to become like him, and we get to do the things that 
He did. And so when we're in this conscious awareness that Christ is in us, and everything that we do is about seeing the kingdom of God manifest in people's hearts here on earth, all of a sudden it changes our day's perspective. You know, we wake up on a Monday and we go, oh, good God, it's Monday, you know. But God, we wake up and we can say, God, thank you, good God, it's Monday. Amen? We come in with a different posture because we understand that God's given us another day to share the message, to bring the presence, to be the hope, to be the fragrance. Now, some will think you stink. Brush it off. Others, they're going to find hope and find life. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin that we would be made right. God wants them back. He's building a family. Everything, everywhere, God is bringing people back into relationship. You know, Graham last week talked about the provenient grace of God, which is the preceding grace or the enabling grace. In other words, it's this, that God is already at work in people's lives. We sing the song, even when we can't see it, you're working. Even when we can't feel it, we know that you're working. The provenient grace of God is ever at work at bringing things together so that we can close the gap. Amen? Be one, find one, make one. Three things this year. Number one is build a conscious awareness of the presence in our lives. You know, it says in John 1 that in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed, Jesus, in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. For the Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light into everyone. For the light shines in darkness, and the darkness will never, ever able to extinguish it. We've got to understand as believers that Jesus is everything. He was, he is, and he is to come. He was everything. Nothing was created except through him. He gave life, and he is the light. That comes into darkness, and darkness will never extinguish it. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the evening with God, and they enjoyed the company of God. We read in the Bible that Enoch and Noah and Levi also walked with God. Moses was considered a friend of God. Everything comes from God and comes back to God. And so we've got to come into this understanding that when we're on mission this afternoon, tomorrow, Tuesday, all the way through the week, that there's never a place where we are where God isn't. He's everywhere. He's in all things. He's at work everywhere. And we've just got to become aware of that presence. Psalmist wrote, David, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go into the heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there also. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, 
Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There's nowhere where God isn't. And so it's important for us as believers, as Christians, is, is to not limit God. To not reduce God down to a format or a structure that fits our world. Because God won't be contained to our small thinking. God will use anything, anywhere, in any way to get our attention. Why? Because the most important thing to God is that you walk with Him. We need to hear Him. Graham talked about that message last week in Acts chapter 8, 29, that the Spirit said to Philip, go on to that chariot and stay near there because God was setting up something to be discussed. And so the presence of God is something that I want us to really be more consciously aware of. Our proximity to him is key in our awareness of him. And it doesn't matter where we go. It just the, the matter is, is that is God near you in your heart? There's not one area in your heart where God doesn't want to invade. Remember, darkness cannot extinguish him. And the biggest way to deal with sin or any area in our life is to bring it into the light or to let the light come into it. It's the greatest way. Number two, places. Lonnie, if you could come on up. Places. Let places become our intentional meeting spots with others. And Jesus... Um, as we read in Scripture, there were many, many places where he was. and Whether it was in the boat or in the wilderness or in a solitude place or in a person's home or in the marketplace, it didn't matter where. It wasn't, it wasn't a temple. It was majority was outside of the temple because he was in the world meeting people where they were. There's a good key for us. And he says, go into all the world. And before a person will ever walk through the doors of a church facility, they must first walk through the doors of our hearts. And Paul's reminding us and saying, hey, you've now been given this task, this ministry of reconciliation. Whether, wherever you are, you know, wherever you are, let this be the work that God is doing in you. Shine a light, sow a seed, be the encouragement. Allow God to use you. Be the fragrance in that workplace. Be the one that allows Christ to live in and through us. But what we can do is intentionally see those places as places where God wants to meet others and actually build intentionally those things into our lives. And the third thing is this, is build pathways. In other words, make it easy for people to connect with you and with God. Matthew 7 reminds us, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there's many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. NLT says this, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. For the highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide, and there are many who choose to go that way. They're the ones that think we stink. They're the ones who, when you come into their world, they think all they can smell is doom and death. 
Don't worry about them. Keep being the fragrance. Concentrate on the scent. Because somewhere, someone is going to pick up. There's something different about you. There's something different about you. And if you pick up that there is, you then become a vessel of whatever that is that God wants to do. Amen? There's a pathway. Make it easy for people to connect with God. And I love this story in Matthew. It talks about the same story in Luke where Jesus, he says, Matthew, tax collector, invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Anyone here ever been a disreputable sinner? (laughs) Saw that hand, Tom. (laughs) Luke Luke says it, notorious sinners. Like not just a sinner, but a notorious sinner, you know. You don't know what you need to be to be a notorious sinner. Dean? (laughs) Don't you just love how God takes us from where we are? Our past is our past. It's our now and our future. Separated from sin, alive to God. Jesus always built a pathway for people. A woman was caught in adultery. They dragged her into a court, a public place, and found Jesus, who was the teacher and the preacher. They said, What does the law say about this woman? She was caught in the very act, like not just even looking like sinning, but really caught in the act. And he just looked around because the law said one thing, but love said another. Jesus came to create a new pathway. He knew what was coming. He became sin so that we could become right with God in him. Amen. He looked upon the crowd and he looked at the woman. And she was fearing that her life was to end by being stoned to death because of her sinfulness. And Jesus reached down, wrote something in the sand, and he looked up and he said, Okay, anyone here who is without sin, here, here's the stone, you come cast it. And he looked down at this precious woman. No doubt, emotional. All of a sudden he looked up and there was no one there. And he looks at her and he says, Go sin no more. There's a new way. Pathways. Presence of God. Are so important to understand places in our everyday life to connect people. Amen. Father, I want to thank you that you saw us far off and yet you came. You found me in a pub half drunk in barrel and I heard the whisper of your words. Lord, you found us in many places and you came. So God, I thank you that today 
you come with a message of hope, a message of forgiveness, a message of reconciliation, and a reminder, Lord, that you who knew no sin became sin so that I, that we, could become the righteousness of Christ in you. Thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that. And Lord, we set our hearts on our city, our neighbors, our family, our lives, that people may know you and walk with you. We pray for Brisbane, that it would become a city known for God. Lord, we pray for an explosion of churches, a revival of people coming to faith, that they may understand the great news that you bring in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen and amen.